Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations. And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hi, good morning. March 29th, last uh, Monday in March. A couple more days till the end of the first quarter. And uh, got, uh, as usual, lots uh, to talk about. Um, we've got the news this morning of a uh, large liquidation of an Asian, Asian family office um, and uh, the impact that that was having last week. Uh, with some of the turmoil in the markets, uh, weren't aware of the cause. Um, and uh, this week we've got a little bit more explanation, so uh, something to talk about there. Um, also talk about the end of the first quarter and uh, the potential for uh, repositioning as we move into second quarter. And uh, and then finally, uh, going to share some thoughts from Barron's, which this week Barron's was uh, more taking on a mentality of uh, value versus growth. I'm not uh, calling an end to the up cycle in, in stocks, but uh, certainly uh, emphasizing that there could be a meaningful rotation towards value and that the upside uh, could be a lot more muted as, uh, as we move uh, into another phase of the bull market. So this morning, before we get started, I'm going to share with you some more thoughts from the book, Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know by Adam Grant. Um, last week, we talked uh, a little bit about uh, listening and uh, the power of listening and how the best leaders are those who uh, empower their team members or the best salespeople are those who empower their potential clients uh, to feel comfortable about uh, them sharing with, uh, with uh, the listener and uh, the listener being able to process what they are what they are listening to, not just uh, listening for the sake of uh, of pretending to be interested, and to be able to act and react accordingly based on the information that they get, and to hopefully uh, learn, which is the most important aspect of listening. Um, after all, uh, when you're speaking, you probably won't learn anything. Uh, famous quote, um, and uh, certainly very true. So getting back to that uh, thought process and thinking about how we develop our beliefs and convictions, it, uh, it is striking that most of us many times aren't aware of the thought processes behind why it is that we believe what we believe, and, uh, and, and we don't always even recognize how strongly uh, we, we hold uh, convictions that we may have, uh, have clung on to uh, very loosely and over time. Uh, have uh, have tightened uh, our grip around those convictions. And many times our beliefs are shaped by our motivations, what we wish to accomplish. They aren't necessarily these unbiased uh, thoughts that we've carefully sifted through information and tried to generate knowledge, um, but we have an outside motivation uh, to do something or to believe something for various reasons and many times what we be believe depends on what we want to believe in order to meet whatever it is that is motivating us 
at that uh, moment in time. And many times we 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 gather these, uh, these 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 beliefs, and as I mentioned, we hold on to them fast. We grab those reins and we stick with them um, over time. And when we share our beliefs, many times we are very dogmatic and emphatic in what we believe, and we're not willing to listen. But in fact, if we are willing to listen and we do hear the other side, when we share our perspective, studies have shown that we, whether it's talking to your kids, whether it's talking to a potential client, talking to a coworker, um, when we share doubts about our convictions, when we share what others view as, as potential uh, questions or holes in our thinking, we in fact become more persuasive to them. Acknowledging complexity doesn't make speakers and writers less convincing. It makes them more credible. And when thinking about being willing to listen, what uh, other research has, uh, has, has uncovered is that those who are willing to listen aren't necessarily uh, the, the ones who are the best students. They aren't necessarily the straight-A students. Because straight-A students very frequently read text or listen to lectures or absorb information and, and view it in a very dogmatic way. Their, their, their motivation, their goal is to get an A. Um, they aren't necessarily out there trying to understand the material, poke holes in the material, question whatever it is they're learning, whether it's architecture, finance, uh, uh, film writing, a a any discipline. Th those who are getting the best grades very frequently are not the ones who are questioning. In a, highly, uh, in a classic study of highly accomplished architects, the most creative ones graduated with a B average. Their straight-A counterparts were so determined to be right, they, they often fail to take the risk of rethinking the orthodoxy. A similar pattern emerged in a study of students who graduated at the top of their class. Valedictorians aren't likely to be the future visionaries. They typically settle into the system instead of shaking it up. Those who shake up the system are constantly rethinking, reworking, and polishing the exterior of their thought process. Those visionaries, the Steve Jobs, the Elon Musks, the Richard Bransons, um, they don't need to be celebrated. Um, they don't need that feeling. Um, they are willing to be ridiculed, and they are willing to go back to the drawing board. Ultimately, education is more than the information we accumulate in our heads. It's the habits we develop as we are revising our drafts and the skills to keep learning. It's that process of how do we get better? How do we create our own compound interest? Or do we just settle into a very fixed one way of thinking and are in very little interest on all the work that we've done through education and are unwilling to or unable to compound or build on that knowledge and education because we are so fixed in our thought processes. And ultimately, in those situations, um, the world uh, very frequently passes us by uh, almost regardless of how much knowledge or intelligence we have accumulated prior uh, to that. Eventually, uh, that, uh, that lack of learning catches up to you. So this morning, we're seeing futures uh, weaker this morning. And uh, the headline that uh, was taken over uh, over the uh, over the weekend um, had to do with a large family office in Asia, which I mentioned, called um, Archegos Capital Management. Um, and a story that's uh, still emerging is that a margin call was triggered on Friday 
um, for Archegos Capital Management. Not clear what triggered the call, um, but uh, what we did see was we saw selling in certain stocks that were very volatile at the end of last week, uh, specifically companies like Viacom, CBS, Discovery Holdings, Chinese companies, uh, Baidu, Tencent, and Vipshop, um, to name a few, uh, seeing a significant volatility to the downside as there was very large selling. Uh, the rumor was that uh, Goldman Sachs was uh, the initiator of the selling and perhaps some other banks uh, uh, piled on to that. It's, uh, it's also unlikely, um, but nobody knows for sure, that the actual companies that were sold were the companies that triggered this selling or triggered the call. Uh, typically, what uh, what banks or prime brokers will do um, when they are concerned about a client's uh, positions is they will immediately start banging out the largest and most liquid positions, not necessarily the positions that created uh, the uh, the problem. So it'll be interesting to see over the next few days as more information emerges what triggered this uh, what triggered this this margin selling. And uh, whether or not there is uh, there's, there's more behind the smoke that we're currently seeing um, that could potentially ripple through the markets. Um, what is happening this morning is Nomura and Credit Suisse shares are down sharply um, after they warned of losses after extending credit uh, to this uh, this fund. It's assumed it's the same fund that's uh, in the news, uh, Archegos Capital Management. Um, Morgan Stanley also weaker this morning after saying that one of their clients was forced to liquidate stock last week. Uh, Goldman Sachs saying that they expect their losses to be negligible. It's also believed, as I previously mentioned, that they were one of the first uh, to uh, start the uh, liquidation process. Uh, Nomura uh, stock is down about 16% in Tokyo. They say that they have about a $2 billion claim against a client. Um, Credit Suisse is down 13% after saying they may suffer a significant loss uh, from a U.S. fund. Other uh, other news uh, this week, uh, the ship that is stuck in the uh, Suez Canal, the Ever Given, um, was refloated, an important step in unclogging the Suez Canal, which now has a backlog of 450 ships. And there's some cautious optimism that uh, they can get that ship uh, so that other ships uh, can start slowly uh, moving around uh, that one. Uh, Boeing this morning is up about 2.5%. Um, them and Southwest agreed on an order of 10737 MAX 7 jets. Uh, President Biden will be reportedly announcing his infrastructure plan on Wednesday. And uh, the uh, U.S. trade representative um, with China said the tariffs on imports from China will remain in place. Fly leasing symbol FLY um, is up 26% after being after agreeing to be acquired by Carlisle Aviation for $17.05 a share or an enterprise value of about $2.36 billion. Um, so we're seeing con- continued uh, consolidation and uh, M&A activity in the aircraft leasing business. Other news uh, this morning, American Airlines updated guidance. They say they expect first quarter capacity to be down about 40%. The previous guidance was for a 45% drop as airline travel continues to uh, pick up here in the United States. Also, um, in the UK, uh, coronavirus restrictions uh, being loosened there. According to Reuters, New York Times is reporting that China and Iran signed a 25-year economic cooperation agreement. 
And CNBC is reporting the White House is reviewing a potential lift on intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines. Overseas, uh, the Nikkei is up about uh, seven-tenths of uh, 1%. The Hang Seng down one-tenth of 1%. The Shanghai in China is up one-half of 1%. Uh, the Indian uh, stock market was closed. In Europe, uh, seeing strength uh, in Germany and France up about half a percent, and the uh, UK uh, relatively flat. Here in the U.S., we're seeing Dow futures down about 190, S&P futures down 19, and NASDAQ futures down 18. So a little bit of a reversal here we're seeing this morning with NASDAQ uh, outperforming for the first time in a few weeks. Um, also this morning, Hartford Financial Services in the spotlight after Bloomberg News is reporting that Allianz is looking to make a counteroffer uh, to Chubb's bid uh, for Hartford, um, the uh, insurance company. In the Treasury market, uh, this morning, uh, two-year is flat at 14 basis points. The 10-year yield is down two basis points to 165. Dollar is relatively flat, and uh, West Texas Intermediate crude is up about seven-tenths of a percent to about $61.38 a barrel. Discovery Communications, DISCA, and Viacom, VIAC, are gaining uh, ground in the pre-market after a uh, very uh, vicious and volatile sell-off last week. Tencent Music, uh, Tencent uh, and some of their subsidiaries caught caught up in the uh, selling last week, announced a 1 billion share buyback. Its stock is up 7.2% in pre-market trading. Twitter shares are up 2.1% pre-market after Truist upgraded the stock to buy from Hold. And uh, Amazon um, chosen at J.P. Morgan as a top pick, saying the company was among those poised to deliver strong, sustainable growth at a reasonable valuation. And Visa said it would allow the use of a U.S. dollar coin, a cryptocurrency pegged to the U.S. dollar, to settle transactions on its payment network. And finally, Facebook and Google plan new undersea cables to connect Southeast Asia and the United States. What's going on this week? Um, tomorrow, um, we get earnings from Lululemon, Chewy, and BioNTech, uh, Pfizer's partner on the coronavirus vaccine. Um, tomorrow, we get the Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index for January, expected to jump 11% year over year. Uh, the conference board is releasing consumer confidence for March tomorrow. Expectations are for 95, reading up from 91.3. Wednesday, we start to see employment data, which is the uh, big focus this week. We get ADP releasing its national employment report for March. Economists see a gain of 401,500 jobs, 117,000 added uh, last month. Wednesday, earnings from Micron Technologies and Walgreens Boots Alliance. Um, Also on Wednesday, Chicago Purchasing Managers Index for March, looking for a 60.5 reading. Um, Wednesday, we also get National Association of Realtors pending home sales for February, expecting a decline of about 3% month over month. Thursday, we get the ISM releasing its manufacturing PMI for March, looking for a reading roughly in line with last month at 60.5. And then Friday, all eyes will be on the Bureau of Labor Statistics releasing the jobs report for March. Economy is expected to have added 525,000 non-farm payrolls after gaining 379,000 in February. Unemployment rate seen edging down from 6.2 to 6.0%, which would be the lowest figure since before the fan pandemic. Moving on to uh, Barron's um, article 
um, with in the trader column, value stock rotation isn't over, not by a long shot, uh, is the uh, title. The Dow last week uh, added 445 points, about 1.3%, closed at 33,072, a record high. S&P 500 rose 1.5% to a record high of 3,975. NASDAQ slipped about six-tenths of a percent, 13,138. The economically sensitive small cap Russell 2000 fell for the fifth time in the past six weeks, losing almost 3% to 2221. It's still well ahead in year-to-date performance with a uh, gain of 12.5% versus the mid-single-digit returns for the Dow and S&P 500. Um, Tech-heavy NASDAQ, meanwhile, is roughly flat since the start of the year. Going back to value, um, the uh, author points out the financials are still 25% uh, behind the S&P 500 over the past three years. Energy stocks have underperformed by about 67%. Um, small caps have lagged behind large caps by about 10% in that period. And small caps still remain the cheapest they've been relative to large caps since 2002. At 20 times forward earnings, the S&P 500 is in the 90th percentile of its valuation over the past 30 years, according to uh, data from Goldman Sachs. Um, But even investors feeling valuation vertigo can still find find pockets of value in this market, uh, Goldman says. Um, They point out that financials uh, still go for a 30% discount to the S&P 500. Financials are in just the 9th percentile of their historic relative value range. Energy stocks at a 13% discount to the index are at their 21st percentile. Um, relative to their valuation. Um, and interestingly, technology stocks, which traded a 16% premium to the index, uh, still are only at a 45% uh, tile um, relative to the index over the past 30 years. So, Barron's uh, saying uh, the in, in a uh, separate article that uh, the easy money has been made. Um, what uh, should uh, investors be focusing on now that uh, some of the uh, most aggressive stocks have run up so strongly? Um, pointing out that the past decade's returns have been fantastic. U.S. stocks uh, over the last uh, 10 years are up 11.3% after inflation, um, and that's despite one massive bear market uh, and some near misses in that uh, time period. Um, yet the previous decade's performance, if you go to 2000 to 2010, was a disaster. Equities losing 2.3% after inflation. And, uh, of course, we don't know what the, the current decade is going to look like. The good news is that the odds of this decade producing a negative return are low. The S&P 500 has dropped just 6% of the time over 10-year periods going back to 1929. The bad news is that with uh, the P.E. ratio where it is now at about 20 times, the S&P is expected to gain just 2% annually over the next decade, throw in dividends, and you're getting close to a total return of about 4%. Um, so even during low periods of uh, low return periods like we may be seeing, no one knows for sure, holding for 10 years instead of one lower the risk of losing money from about 45% to about 10%. Now, if we look at the uh, markets uh, recently in the past year, the recovery from the uh, coronavirus sell-off, the recovery has been led by so-called low-quality stocks, those rated single B or lower in S&P quality rankings. Um, Those have outperformed high-quality stocks by 48 percentage points. These low-quality stocks trade at 1.2 times the broad market, while high-quality stocks are trading at just 0.9 times uh, book value. 
The simplest way to buy high-quality stocks is with an exchange-traded fund like the Invesco S&P 500 Quality Fund. Symbol of that uh, ETF is Sam Paul Henry Queen, SPHQ. Um, it's comprised of companies with the highest quality scores based on return on equity, financial leverage, and accruals. What type of companies do uh, the ETFs like this own? Uh, currently, they own names like uh, Merck, MasterCard, and Applied Materials, uh, according to the author here. Sticking with uh, the theme of under relative underperformance and value, uh, another column talked about European stocks that out could outperform as the pandemic uh, fades. Um, over the past decade, the S&P has returned nearly three times as much as the Euro Stocks Index. That's unbelievable. And six times as much if you don't count dividends because European stocks uh paying uh, much higher dividend yields on average than U.S. stocks. Um, JP Morgan is predicting that European stocks will beat the U.S. this year after many years of going the other way. Um, one way to participate is uh, is in an ETF, uh, the Spider Euro Stocks 50. The symbol there is Frank Eddie Zebra. Some individual stock picks, UBS recently listed its top pick for Europe, um, plus the United Kingdom as uh, as uh, one of them is Alstrom. Um, ALSTOM is the company. ALO is the symbol in France. They are a maker of railroad cars and equipment. Recently bought rival uh, Bombardier's uh, transportation unit, making them the second largest rail player in the world. Um, behind China's home country champion, CRRC. Um, also mentioned uh, Deutsche Telekom, symbol DTE in Germany, valued at about $93 billion. Um, they are bringing high-speed fiber connections to all German homes over the next decade, which will allow it to raise prices. Despite the spending, the company produced $3 billion of free cash flow last year. That's expected to rise to $3.5 billion this year and 3.7% the next year. Um, and they own a large stake in T-Mobile uh, US, TMUS, the mobile carrier here, um, which uh, which um, is in addition to their domestic business. For those more adventurous on the European continent, uh, they suggest taking a look at International Consolidated Airlines Group, the symbol is IAG in the UK. It's the result of the merger between British Airways and Iberia uh, from Spain. Um, and as well as the purchase of Ireland's Aer Lingus. Um, they say that uh, it has recovered a lot less than, let's say, Delta Airlines, which pre-pandemic was trading for around 60. Now it's around 47. Um, and uh, IAG pre-pandemic was trading around four pounds, and uh, now it's around two, so uh, almost a 50% drop um, versus uh, less than a 25% drop uh, in Delta. Um, they also mentioned Dutch Bank's ING Group, symbol ING, um, which would benefit from the trend we've seen in higher interest rates. Um, they are also growing fee income, bringing down costs, keeping loan losses in check. On top of it, ING is paying a 5.6% dividend. Um, and uh, they also suggest that uh, you could see special dividends and stock buybacks uh, from ING over the next few years. We're going to stick with this uh, theme of dividend payers and value. Um, Barron's cover headline story, Yes, You Can Retire on Dividends, 10 Stocks to Build an Income Stream for the Long Haul. Um, for those of you who have been uh, helping clients or if perhaps you are a client uh, who is reliant on your investments for income, um, you know all too well that you, in the current environment, uh, are struggling to survive on 
uh, bond coupon payments alone. If you've got $2 million in uh, treasury bills, um, your your annual uh, income from those bills is close to zero. If you've got $2 million in uh, the 10-year treasury, um, you're looking at a little over $30,000 a year in income, uh, probably not enough to uh, maintain the lifestyle that you've enjoyed if you've built up $2 million in, in assets. Uh, therefore, uh, many investors uh, are complementing their investment strategies with dividend-paying stocks. Uh, these stocks not only provide dividend yield, but uh, hopefully over long periods of time, the uh, potential for capital appreciation as well. A big appeal of the dividends is uh, is that uh, when investing in dividend-paying stocks, um, knowing you're getting that income, assuming the dividend remains in place, it's easier to stay the course. Um, if you are currently invested in a portfolio that's uh, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, once a very reliable source of income, you're still looking at a dividend yield that is below 2%. Uh, so the desire and sometimes the need to uh, to reach and stretch for dividend-paying stocks um, is real in the current environment. Um, so Barron's identified 10 stocks with uh, solid yields, consist- consistent payouts, and seeming durability. Of course, no one can guarantee uh, durability. Um, on that list, um, AT&T, symbol T for telephone, um, which is the highest payer of the list, yielding 6.9%. Um, also on the list, SL Green, U.S.-based REIT, uh, which has uh, been uh, affected by the pandemic um, with commercial real estate in New York. Um, it's also a potential uh, New York recovery play if you believe in uh, the New York market returning uh, uh, to uh, more growth. Uh, SL Green is yielding around 5%, symbol SLG. Another New York recovery play on the list is Consolidated Edison, symbol ED, um, yielding 4.2%, the utility based in the uh, metropolitan New York area. Uh, Verizon Communications, VZ, yielding 4.4%. Um, we've got uh, Kellogg's, the cereal company, yielding 3.7%. Uh, Coca-Cola, 3.3%. U.S. Bank Corp, 3%. Procter & Gamble, 2.4%. And then finally... IBM, which is yielding 5%, um, and Barron's uh, suggesting that IBM, which uh, has uh, been struggling for growth, uh, may see some some uh, stabilization, um, especially after the purchase of Red Hat, um, which offers customers a hybrid cloud platform, um, and uh, Red Hat is seeing sales growth of about 18%, um, which uh, may help solidify IBM's uh revenues and uh, help them uh, to uh, maintain the current dividend there. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lantern. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www.heraldlantern.com.